0: The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you among all animals and among all wild creatures. Upon your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we once again ask you to be here with us this morning, and we trust that you have kept your promise and are here with us. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mr. Ricks was a psychopath. At least, that's what all us sixth graders thought. I don't remember the name of my own sixth grade teacher, but Mr. Ricks, who taught the other sixth grade class at my elementary school, his name is burned forever into my brain. He was legendary. He could make kids cry with his criticisms. He ate onions like apples right there in the classroom, and he had a little jar of fingernail clippings in his desk. Now, thankfully, I was protected from most of this, being in Miss Whoever's class across the hall. But then, in an effort to prepare us for junior high school, in which we would have a different teacher for each class, it was decided that the sixth grade classes would sort of practice that idea by switching teachers for science. And that was how I found myself one day, one fateful day, waiting in the hallway outside Mr. Ricks' class with the rest of my own class lined up against the wall. I can see it like it was yesterday. Before we went in on this particular day, Mr. Ricks poked his head out into the hallway and said that he needed two volunteers. Now, ordinarily, you couldn't have paid me enough to volunteer for something in Mr. Ricks' class. The risk was too great. And I wasn't going to volunteer on this day either, but then Jeanette volunteered. Now, Jeanette was the first girl I ever like-liked. She was funny, cool, and pretty. So naturally, I had basically never spoken to her. She was in a different social stratosphere, way, way higher than me. But something came over me, and seeing her volunteer, I volunteered myself. So it was us, Jeanette, and me. So we got almost to the end of the class with nothing happening. But then with just a few minutes left, Mr. Ricks called us, Jeanette and me, up to the front of the room. He had a table there, and he asked Jeanette to lie down on it. And then he asked me to come and stand by her head. And then he announced, okay, class, today we're going to practice mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. (laughs) Then he turned to me and said, Nick, go ahead. And that's, well, that's when I peed in my pants. (laughs) The Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. I heard Mr. Ricks ask me to put my lips on Jeanette's lips, and I was afraid. I felt naked. I felt like Adam. I felt ashamed. Now, lest everyone here get totally sidetracked by my story, let me assure you that one The whole thing was a joke. He'd never really intended that we do mouth-to-mouth. Like I told you, a psychopath. And two, no one actually knew that I peed in my pants. I ran out of the room fast enough and was able to recover quickly and um, cleanly enough to keep it all under wraps. But that doesn't detract from the shame that I felt. I felt... Exposed, revealed, just like Adam and Eve. The eight verses from Genesis 3 that we read this morning, verses 8 to 15, are in a really condensed form, the whole story of sin and redemption. Now, in one way, of course, it's only the very beginning of the story. We're only three chapters into the Bible. We're thousands of pages away from Jesus' arrival. But in another way, these verses contain the whole story, beginning to end. And what I want to do today is to tell that story. A story which, incidentally, will help us understand Janet's story and the good news into which she has been baptized. This morning, our story begins with shame. Adam and Eve heard God walking in the garden and hid because they were ashamed. Their nakedness had, by their sin, been revealed to them. Remember, before they ate the fruit, they were naked and not ashamed. Now, however, they hear God coming and they feel exposed. Revealed, I had been in that sixth grade classroom somehow terribly revealed, shown to be someone I didn't want to be, someone profoundly uncool, someone who pees their pants at the opportunity to kiss a pretty girl. And I bet that as I told my story, you flashed back to a time of shame in your life. You too have been revealed. Well, I don't know what you were revealed to be, but I bet your story is just as painful as mine. The truth about you was revealed, exposed, and you felt like you'd never recover. And as much as we'd like to protect her from the experience, Janet will go through this too. She'll be laid bare. And feel ashamed. Shame is common to us all. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. I was naked and I hid myself. My mouth-to-mouth story is actually a safe story of shame, appropriate to tell in church, but it doesn't scratch the surface of our real human experience of shame. The ways in which we have actually earned our shame are much darker than that. I can chuckle about peeing in my pants at the thought of kissing my sixth grade crush. But there are shames that we harbor that we would never let near the light of day, especially in a church. These shames, as they often do, revolve around sex, money, money. And power and things like this, things we've done or want to do that we fear mark us as unacceptable forever. things that, if they came out, would cost us our jobs and our families. We have done things we pray, which we ought not to have done. We have not done things that we ought to have done. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are simply not the people we hoped. We would be. We are not the people God calls us to be. And so when we hear him approaching, as Adam and Eve heard him walking in the garden, we too are ashamed. Now, for those of us who do not live in the garden, we hear his footsteps in the words of his law proclaimed Have no other gods before me, do not lie. Do not steal. Do not murder. Be holy. Each word cuts us to the heart, shows us our sin, exposes us, and rightly makes us ashamed. And so most often we react like Adam and Eve did. We stitch together fig leaves to hide our shames. We try to look better on the outside than we feel on the inside. We pledge ourselves once again to the kind of sexual purity we have failed to achieve. We give a little bit to the appropriate charitable causes to expiate our guilt for the extravagant way we've spent on ourselves. We spend a blowout weekend with the kids to make up for all that traveling we did. We tell a couple of convenient truths to hide the biggest lies. We apologize for a couple of the least heinous sins, hoping that the deep, dark ones stay deep and dark. We hide or we go the other way. Like we see now during Pride Month, we claim loudly to be proud of the thing we ought to be ashamed of. We celebrate it and demand that other people celebrate it, too if we can get enough people celebrating us, we think maybe we won't have to feel ashamed. But either way, whether we hide our shames or demand that they be celebrated, these are all just the sewing together of fig leaves brought into the technological age. We all cover ourselves with something. Everyone wants to hide their shame. This is how our story starts. We hear God coming and we are ashamed. We try to cover up. We try to make ourselves presentable. So sure are we that we're going to be judged on our qualities, qualities that we fear rightly are sorely lacking, that we hide. And so God in the garden calls out, where are you? Adam responds, I heard the sound of you, and I was afraid. I was naked, and I hid myself. And God says, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And of course, the answer is yes. Adam and Eve have broken the one law that God gave them, and so have we. We confess it every week. Done the things we ought not to have done. Not done the things we ought to have done. And this disobedience leads inexorably and always to fear and shame. I was afraid. I was ashamed. Think again about your greatest shame. Sure, you felt revealed, but it was a little bit more than that, wasn't it? You actually felt revealed to be less than you were trying to be. In that sixth grade classroom, I was revealed to be way less than I wanted to be, way less suave and cool than I hoped to be, way, way less. And shame always has to do with failing to live up to this standard. When we are publicly shown to have fallen short of some standard, especially one that we've been trumpeting about ourselves, we feel ashamed. That's how Adam and Eve felt. They'd been given a law. Don't eat the fruit of this one tree. And they had broken it. And breaking the law has consequences. We hear, if we continue reading in Genesis 3, God pronounced the consequences of their law breaking. To the woman... and you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return oof pain struggle death the holiness ...of Almighty God brings every shame to light. Even if only at the end of all things. Nothing will stay hidden. Before the judgment seat of God, no fig leaves will remain. But, and here's where, thank the Lord, we make the turn into the second part of our story. Adam and Eve's shame... And the consequences of their actions are not the end of their story. Even though pain, struggle, and death will mark their story, being revealed is not the end of their story. As we said a couple weeks ago at Pentecost, God is always at work redeeming his judgments. And so, when you are like Adam and Eve, hearing... God coming in the garden and feeling ashamed, whether you've been a Christian for your entire life, or if this morning is going to be the first morning you ever hear anyone say, I have good news about God to tell you, well, I have good news about God to tell you. Here it is. On account of Jesus Christ, you don't need to be ashamed. That awful, shameful feeling of being revealed, laid bare, is not the end of your story. The consequences of your actions are not the end of your story either. Jesus is your Savior, even in Genesis chapter 3. At Pentecost, if you'll remember, it had taken hundreds of years for God to redeem the judgment he levied at the Tower of Babel. In Genesis 3, though redemption in Jesus Christ is even further away in time, here God promises redemption even in the midst of pronouncing these judgments on Adam and Eve, these penalties for breaking the law. While he's judging them, he shows them that there is good news. Adam and Eve... Get a promise about how the story is going to end right at the beginning. Listen to Genesis three fourteen and 15, in which God curses the serpent. Because you have done this, the Lord says, Cursed are you among all animals and among all wild creatures. Upon your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Now that's not an even fight, is it? The serpent will strike at the offspring of the woman's heel and the offspring of the woman will strike at the serpent's head. In another translation it says... That the offspring of the woman will crush the serpent's head. God here is talking about his own incarnate son, Jesus Christ, who will be born of a woman, winning the fight with the serpent once and for all. Sure, the serpent gets in a few nips at our heels. Yes, we will be revealed as sinners. Yes, our lives will be marked by pain, struggle, and ultimately death. But Christ will ultimately and forever crush the serpent's head. This is a battle that Jesus wins. The serpent still spends his days whispering in your ear. God is coming, he says. And you're naked. You should be ashamed. You've done things you shouldn't have done. You haven't done the things you should have done. You've been selfish. You've been greedy. Your sexual desires are out of control. You're not who God wants you to be, and He's coming. But there is good news. Our God has shut that serpent's mouth. Even better, the serpent's head has been crushed by Christ. We sinners have been redeemed by his blood and are now clothed in his righteousness. On account of Christ's sacrifice for you and the gift of his righteousness in exchange for your sinfulness, you now have the acceptance that Christ earned. And the voice from heaven that spoke at Jesus's baptism now speaks to you. You are my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. And So every time the serpent whispers in your ear about your shame. Remind yourself again that you are born again in Christ. You are his. And so it is for Janet. She is Christ's beloved. Though the serpent will whisper in her ear about her shames her whole life long the Janet who would have needed to sew together fig leaves has been left under the water today. So were you at your baptism. You are now the bearer, as she is, of Christ's own righteousness. Shame has no hold on you. Indeed, with you, Because of Christ, almighty God is well pleased. Amen.